This episode is brought to you by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. And by Pollen. Access your app store revenues faster and fund user acquisition straight away. To sign up, go to pollen.vc. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 222, recording this live Friday, February 20th, 2015. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, back on this continent, man, welcome back to the high bandwidth, land of high bandwidth. Welcome back, Asif. Thank you, sir. It is good to be back. It is good to have bandwidth. Um, <laughs> yes, it is Asif Khan of the Location-Based Marketing Association. Always a pleasure to do this uh, every week with Mr. Woodbridge. Wicked. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Uh, you know, it's been, I think, so three weeks. Is, it's been three weeks since we did a, an episode where we had, um, we are at least in the same time zone doing it at a respectable hour and this time with respectable bandwidth. I thought, oh, I thought we, we actually got away with it last week. <laughs> as much as we could. Yeah. 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 As much as we could. Uh, I got a little known fact about 222, the number 222, which is this episode that we are actually currently on. Uh, when I was growing up, do you remember those little pills? They used to be 222s. We're of the same vintage, right? So 222s yep. are these little pills that they were kind of like kid pain pills. Like they tasted like the old aspirin. Remember the kid aspirin mm-hmm. that tasted so good? Um, I don't know if they make those anymore because they were like candy, but uh, 222s was what they were called. They were sleeping pills, and uh, my parents caught my sister feeding them to me like candy when I was four years old and she was six. Probably explains a lot. Here, Rob, have Here another 222. Well, hopefully nobody goes to sleep watching this. Well, you know what? I had a good sleep. I had a good sleep. And that's back in the day when you pump your stomach full of charcoal and you throw... Oh, it was terrible. 222s. My sister tried to kill me. She was six. I was four. Nice. Uh, I've never forgiven her. Anyway, welcome. Uh, this has got a jammed episode as usual. Uh, we've certainly got our 10 stories. Uh, we don't have a guest, but uh, we'll have a special correspondent in Chuck Martin who's going to be talking about our second story, so I don't have to. He's an expert in that space. You'll have to wait and see what that means. And then we're going to do a deep dive into our top story, our big story, which we're going to be focusing on kind of what the evolution of wearables means to location and marketing. It's going to be fascinating. We'd love your feedback and comments on that. But as usual, before we get into those stories or anything else, Asif, man, what's going on with the Location-Based Marketing Association? Well, we got a whole bunch of events coming up. It's it's the high season uh, for us, uh, so there's a lot going on. Starting with next week, uh, or this week as you're listening to this, I guess, is uh, Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. Uh, I won't be there. I'm actually uh, staying in Toronto, if you can believe it, uh, for... Uh, a part of the week anyways um but um anyhow uh so that's the second through the fifth of of march uh is uh, is mobile World congress and we have a bunch of uh of folks over there from the lbma uh, our chapter presidents from uh atlanta chicago um new york and and germany will all be there so if you're over there you're part of the lbma uh let us know and uh, we'll be sure to connect you up with uh, with the team and and other members uh, while you're there uh, in the same week, on the uh, on the fifth of March, uh, Street Fight, our good friends over at Street Fight, are hosting the Street Fight Local Data Summit. That's in Denver. Uh, it's a one day event, and there's I believe they're skiing. I don't know why you're not going to that, Rob. Oh my God, they're skiing when it's part of it. invited. Yeah, uh, it's crazy, but uh, yeah. So that's March the fifth in Denver, um, and then the following week. 
Uh, on the 11th of March, I will be in Las Vegas uh, for Digital Signage Expo. Uh, I have the privilege of uh, being the uh, opening keynote uh, for the conference uh, and uh, and then leading right into a fantastic panel that we put together with TGI Fridays, MGM, uh, our good buddy Ryan Craver, formerly uh, HBC Lord & Taylor, now at Lemoore, and uh, XAD. So uh, that should be fun. Uh, excited, uh, ex- excited about where that where, where that conversation could go. Uh, and then, obviously, right after that uh, is 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 the big event for us, which is Retail Loco happening during South by Southwest this year on the Sunday, March the fifteenth. Rob will be there. I will be there. Fantastic lineup of speakers. Uh, you don't want to miss this. Um, lots of great sponsors and speakers. Fantastic brands. Uh, just go to retaillo.co. And you can learn more about that. So it's Sunday, March 15th. I'm going to put a plea out there for uh, for Retail Loco in Austin. I'm desperately trying to find a hotel that is a little bit more central. I don't want to stay in Dallas and have to commute for this event, which is what is exactly it is looking like it has to be. So if you're out there and you know of somebody who has an extra room or a hotel, I don't bite. I don't smell. I do talk a lot. But I would be really appreciated. Uh, I would appreciate knowing if there's any hotel rooms that anybody has on hold that before you let them go, I'll take one. I'll take one. Just Help them out. Yeah, please. Rob at untether.tv. Rob at untether.tv. And then if anybody is willing to have us over for a nice home-cooked meal, right, Asif? Isn't that a yeah, we, yeah, we will be there. We will definitely be there, yeah. It'll be good. It'll be good. Um, yeah. But one of those, uh, one of the guys, uh, we're going to be doing this uh, throughout, uh, from now, probably up until uh, Retail Loco happens. We're going to be featuring some of the companies that are sponsoring Retail Loco. So we've got a, uh, don't we have a little video here of one of the sponsors? We do. Mozito. Mozito. So we're going to roll that right now. We're going to come back on the other side. Uh, it's a short video. So here, a little bit more information about Mozito, a sponsor for Retail Loco. Retail Loco. When is that thing again? March 15th, the whole day. The whole day. Retaillow.co. Retaillow.co. Anything else going on or is that it? That's enough? That's it. That's all I got. That's enough. Uh, You look well rested from your vacation. Uh, Thankfully, uh, you got one of those. Got to reacquaint yourself with your family and now we're back into this stuff. Uh, yeah, indeed, it's good. I even got like a tan, if I can, if if I can say that. I mean, it's like like I'm I'm a little bit darker than I usually am, Rob. It's okay, so. and I think it's just contrast to see because I'm a little bit whiter yeah. than I yeah. usually am. Right there, you go. Uh, it is not you, warm to go, here. To go from almost plus thirty to minus thirty when I came back was uh, a bit of a, a shock, but. Uh, 
Anyhow. You wonder why Canadians are obsessed with weather. It's just because the weather often sucks. Like these last, it's been cold across all of the United States and all of Canada. I, we know that. And more snow in Boston than they've ever seen, than Ugh. we've ever seen. So uh, this has just been a wacky weather year, but it is cold and we're just about sick of it. So I'm glad you got to get away. I really Thanks. am. I'm so happy for you. All right. All right. Why don't we uh, jump into the uh, top 10 stories of the week? I think you, my friend, get to kick it off. Not so fast. Before we get to those stories, we need to get paid. So here is a message from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Thinknear. Here's Kate Walling, Senior Marketing Manager at Thinknear, to remind us what they Thinknear do. Thinknear is helping brands reach all of us on our mobile devices so that we don't have to think and so that we have this helpful experience, find the solution that we need and just basically make our life easier. Part of making a great product is building a great team. And to do that, you need to create a great work environment. So what is it like to work at Thinknear? It's a lot of fun. We're very, very scrappy. We're a team first and we're a business second. It's fun from a technology perspective because we're using the latest technologies and good practices uh, for building software. Our team lives and breathes location. We actually literally dream about it too. So that's a joke, is the joke and the obvious is we, we all have these crazy dreams at night about location. We play Halo together, we play basketball together, we play ping pong together, we do meals together. There's a basketball court in the parking lot that gets a lot of use, there's the ping pong table, and it's just a very social collaborative group. We also, we're a team that care, we care a lot about each other and I think whenever you're in a, an environment where you're, you're working hard and working at the edge of things, that always helps. For our engineers specifically, don't let anyone schedule meetings with them in the afternoons. And for anyone who's an engineer and has constant meetings all day, they can appreciate that our engineers has six hours every day with no meetings scheduled. And they love that. Think Near, where engineers can't wait until noon. And now, back to the show. Why don't we uh, jump into the uh, top 10 stories of the week? I think you, my friend, get to kick it off. I do. All right. Our first story uh, over to China uh, for the Beijing Municipal Administration. This is the group uh, that uh, the, the government agency that's responsible for uh, public transit. Uh, and uh, they have decided that, uh, you know, buying those those transit passes, those cards, uh, you know, and, and getting people to reload them and, and, and you know, use them is, is a bit cumbersome in today's age of technology. So let's go to wearable technology. And so basically they are working on right now a um, basically a slap wrist uh, strap type uh, of, of transit pass. Uh, you can reload this thing. Uh, it will be uh, available uh, in, um, in supermarkets, convenience stores and restaurants uh, to reload. Uh, the cost is uh, significantly cheaper than if you go the traditional way. So they're actually incenting people by discounting, uh, you know, the price to, to travel and, and, to, uh, and to have this type of pass. Um, and uh, they're trying to take the technology that they're putting here and unite it with some of the other things that, that they have going on, like social security cards and patient IDs for hospitals, kind of bring it all under one system. So, you know, if everybody's got this kind of wristband, um, you know, you can use it for multiple different services and functions. So I like this. I, I like when, when uh, you know, government agencies start to think about, you know, how to streamline and combine and find efficiencies uh, with this and um, and if you know if I can simply just walk on the uh, the train or the bus or the whatever because the wristband uh, you know is detected then you know why not I mean it's just so much easier for me um, so I like it um, now obviously they will be collecting other data from this uh, in terms of health health information and other things so there are you know 
certainly concerns that people need to be aware of. But uh, overall, I think this is a, a good initiative. So this is, again, the Beijing Municipal Administration launching wearable transit passes. So I got a question about that. So literally, you, it's like a you get a new one every time you, you get on the bus? or uh, No, no, no. It's, it's one that you can reload and, and recharge and just like your phone, basically. So it's something that you have to be wearing at all times if you want to take the bus? Yeah. Okay. It's like a bus pass, but on your wrist. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Our second story involves Chuck Martin. Not really. It involves a company that uh, is around the corner from where Chuck lives. It's called Loop Pay, and you have probably heard about this story already. That Samsung is buying Loop Pay because they think that this is their competitive. Uh, this is how they're going to compete against Apple Pay. So Chuck, who was the guy who brought Loop Pay to my attention, who visited Loop Pay, who had one of the very first dongles, one of the very first cases. I figured it would be best for him to actually describe what this means to Samsung and to Loop Pay. So here is Chuck Martin talking about Loop Pay being acquired by Samsung. So Samsung's long-fabled mobile payments play is to acquire Loop Pay? Uh, well, it's actually a, a pretty smart move in, in my view. Um, I've known Loop Pay since uh, kind of since the beginning, when I call it Loop, actually. Um, and what what Samsung just did was they essentially uh, uh, upped the ante for smartphones. If you look at Apple Pay, Apple Pay can be used at 5-10% of terminals because the terminal has to be modified to be able to take the payment. Uh, plus it has to be on an iPhone, an iPhone 6. So you have to have an iPhone 6, want to pay, and find a terminal that will they'll accept it, of which there are, it's growing. With, with Loop, uh, and I should go through the background of Loop, uh, I've been using Loop for, oh, oh, Gosh, more than a year. Um, this is the the loop, the first fob that they had. And when people first saw this, they thought, well, that, that's a silly thing. No one's going to carry a separate piece of hardware to pay. They missed the point. This was really used to validate if it worked in the marketplace. And these devices work at about 90% of all terminals without any change. And I've used this in London, Paris, Cologne, Dusseldorf, San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, New York. I've used, I, I travel a lot. Uh, I've used it everywhere and it works flawlessly. You basically just touch it to a terminal, the POS terminal, and your credit card information is paid. Now inside here, of course, it's the actual fob. So you can plug this into your phone, swipe, swipe the card, and away you go. What, what they did then, this basically emulates a credit card except in a fraction of a second. The next thing they did was they came out with a case. Um, this is the, the iPhone 6 case. They have them for Samsung as well. And what the case does, essentially the same thing, except you can put it as a storage place for your ID, your license in the back of it, so you literally can leave your wallet at home. The obvious play, and, and I talked about this a year and a half ago with Damian Balson, one of the, the member of the founding team and the COO, and this is when they only had a, three or four employees. Uh, they're, they're based here in, in Boston, where I am. And we, we actually went out shopping. And I would, I, the people who saw this work were amazed every, across the board. That's what impressed me about it. It wasn't just the technology. It was people at Dunkin' Donuts. I need that. Well, that is cool. Can I have that? And it's basically it's the capability. And at that time, we talked about the obvious long-term play was to get this inside a phone. Because no one's going to carry this and a phone and heaven knows what else and your wearable watch and all this other stuff. So the Samsung Play, what they did is they basically bypassed NFC because this doesn't need NFC. And the great irony here, what I think is irony, is that it, it, you, as the viewers of this show all know, Apple was the longtime holdout for NFC. They just wouldn't do it. They finally come in with NFC and Samsung and HTC, all the Android phones, they all had NFC for years. 
Now the great irony is you've got NFC being required for Apple Six for Apple Pay, and now you've got Samsung, which has NFC, but it doesn't need it for payments, and it's it's expected that their new phone. Uh, the Samsung, uh, the Galaxy S6 will be out just before the Mobile World Congress or a couple days before. And it's expected, uh, not guaranteed, but it's expected that this technology will be built into the phone. So that, that means that Apple Pay will be usable at 5 to 10% of terminals. And you'll have Samsung's phone available at 90% of terminals. So uh, where this goes is going to be really, really interesting to watch. And the long-term question is, does Samsung then sell this technology to other people? Because the, 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 the people involved in Loop Pay were involved in the development of the, the, the mag stripe on a credit card. So they, to understate the case, they know their stuff. Um, and Samsung is keeping that talent in-house. All right, Chuck. Thank you, buddy. Loop Pay being acquired by Samsung. I'm, I'm not as convinced that this is a, a threat to Apple Pay, but uh, it's certainly a step in the right direction or the first step in many, many, many more steps that need to take place in order for this to be, for Samsung to be competitive. Oh, and by the way, they also have to, you know, stop, the, stem the, the tide of, uh, of people not buying their, their phones too. They need, they need to have more phones sold as well. So long-term play, Samsung buying, Loop Pay. There you go. All right, our third story uh, is about something called the SmartStones Touch. Uh, so basically, there's a company called SmartStones uh, that has released this uh, this device, uh, which is a uh, interactive um, device that it looks like a stone and basically allows or or, or facilitates communication, if you will, um, between people who can't communicate verbally or uh, you know in any other way. So ba basically, basically, it's uh, it, it's a stone that is, is like a um, you know an Apple Watch or something like that, except it doesn't have all these crazy features. It doesn't require you to be able to speak into it or be able to type into it or do anything like that. It's basically a, a smooth surface and allows communication to happen simply through gesture type uh, or tap swipe shaking uh, and things like that uh, and so uh, the plan is is they may issue these in pairs so you know if, if you're uh, you and your partner are, are both let's let's say uh, you know uh, challenged and, and disabled in this way that you know you you you, you can't speak you're deaf or have you um, then uh, you know you can communicate in this way through visual uh, cues uh, and, and through gestures and, and through uh, um, emotion in, in that sense. So this is kind of interesting. Um, I think there's um, you know a lot of capability uh, built into this this very simple, very cool looking uh, device, and uh, I, I could see. You know, when we talk about things like uh, what Sense360 is doing or Atile is doing, you know, the, the same sort of premise of what they're doing on the marketing side now coming into, uh, you know, a different approach here to, to enable people who are, who are challenged uh, or have this kind of disability. That's cool. And you can go and find out some more information about that at smartstones.co. Smartstones.co. All right. Our fourth story, you know, they, this is... You know, I've, I've always started uh, to try to start movements, and I think movements are pretty powerful. And here's a movement that I, I think it's been growing because we have these uh, hyper-connected people. We're always connected. We're always looking down at our screen. We're never paying attention to what's around us. We're never paying attention to the people that are in front of us or across the table from us. And we've seen a lot of these videos that tug at the heartstrings and, and, uh, and really show how dependent we are on this technology. And here's another one of those things. It's called the Branch Out Movement. It's working to reinforce traditional communication in order to enhance social experience. What does that mean? 
It means they want you to stop looking down at your screen and start talking to the person next to you. So at the core of the movement are these weekly emails that you sign up for. They're social challenges that members participate in. So it might say that literally you're sitting on a bus, ask the person next to you, put down your phone, Ask the person next to you in order to, uh, to, you know, for a book recommendation or a movie recommendation. Just start a social engagement with somebody and not not doing it over text-based messaging or through your smartphone. Uh, so you, you sign up and you get this weekly email. And then you can actually track your progress about how you're doing and how you're doing against these tasks in a digital dashboard, which uses stats, points, virtual medals, and social sharing to encourage further participation, which I think is so ironic that they're trying to get you away from the technology, but they've got this digital dashboard that enhances is enhanced with social sharing. It's just one of those things. They actually have a uh, an app that they are trying to make you not use. So you install the application, and then when you actually launch, your, you uh, bring up your phone, it might actually say, "Hey, don't do this. Go and uh, you know talk to the person next to you. Don't launch any apps. It'll give you instructions on what to do from that point forward." So I, you know, I I'm all over the place on this. I think it's fascinating that we need this kind of stuff when we are. Um, you know, because we're so addicted to our phones and we're so addicted to being to connecting over digitally rather than human to human. But what I like about this is that uh, you basically get a bracelet. Uh, you, you order a bracelet and you, you bracelet and you're part of this, uh, this uh, branch out movement. And 20% of the bracelet profits will benefit the Big Brothers and Sisters Foundation. You can find some more information about these guys if you're interested in that kind of stuff at branchoutmovement.com. Branchoutmovement.com. Very cool. All right, uh, our fifth story uh, over to uh, to the uh, to the UK, uh, and this time car manufacturer uh, Skoda has uh, come up with an interesting way to promote their uh, their new Fabia uh, vehicle. That's F A B I A. So what they've done is is in Waterloo Station, uh, they've taken uh, what is uh, Europe's largest uh, out of home uh, digital out of homes uh, advertising screen that's in Waterloo Station. Uh, and created basically a live augmented reality um, display, I'll, I'll, I'll say. So basically there's a custom-built green screen uh, scenario in, in Waterloo Station. So they got this car there. And then using this app, you go up to it as a, as a consumer and you basically choose uh, your own color of the car from 14 different colors uh, and, and three different concepts, uh, five different interiors, ultimately about 100 different possible designs of this vehicle uh, and customize the vehicle basically however you want. And then miraculously, the, uh, the custom design vehicle that you just created is now displayed on the giant out-of-home screen in Waterloo Station. So I like it. It's very experiential. You're getting consumers to participate. They, they feel like they're designing their own car, and then it's being visualized for everybody uh, to see in, in Waterloo Station. So very, very cool. It's a partnership between, uh, obviously, Skoda is, is the client here, but uh, Mediacom, um, Enigma, which is a, a digital... Um, uh, uh, agency as well, and JC Dassault, which which owns the, uh, the the screen there, all work together to uh, to make this happen. So very very cool. Uh, Skoda augmented reality car show, uh, basically at Waterloo Station. How would you like to take a ride in a helicopter? Not just a helicopter. How would you like to have Uber powers with a helicopter ride? That's what something called Gotham Air is uh, basically thinking of themselves as an Uber for helicopters. They are a premier travel app for New Yorkers, hence Gotham. The app enables you, so it's it literally you download an application and it enables you to find an upcoming helicopter flight to the airport of your choosing. So that's New York or JFK where you literally can choose a seat on an upcoming helicopter ride so you don't have to take that car ride, especially in peak, peak, peak traffic. 
You know, it turns a two-hour drive into a six-minute flight. It'll cost you 200 bucks one way. And all you have to do is literally download the application and uh, start booking away. Now, the great thing is that if you do not fit, if you can't find one that fits your agenda, you can actually say, listen, I want this time in this place, and I need to get from here to Newark or here to JFK. And you can start a new flight and if they get four or more people that sign up for that flight it's a go if for some chance the weather is bad you cannot take off they will stick you in a uh, car basically a black car driver will uh, arrive at your door uh, and take you in one of their tesla model s electric vehicles to the airport of your choosing so instead of flying in an in a helicopter you get to fly in a tesla and uh, this is this is what's pretty cool about this is that it is not a, um, it, they don't run the helicopters, right? So this is, they partnered with Helicopter Flight Services out of New York, and they run the helicopters. You, what, what Gotham Air does is exactly what Uber does, is it orchestrates the booking and the paying and the scheduling, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. So if you happen to be in Gotham in New York City, and you want to really arrive in the airport in style, which is by helicopter, which is pretty damn cool, you can go to gothamair.com. Call. I think we should try it out, Rob. Well, you know what I was thinking. Okay, so you need a minimum of four, so that's eight hundred bucks. I mean, that 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 it's not it's not cheap, right? But it's not it's not that expensive if you think that if you you know save our time. I mean, well, we- if you if you let the meter run in a taxi in New York for two hours. It's gonna be. It's gonna cost you. You know, it's gonna close cost to that. Over that, it'll be 125 bucks, right? And and yeah. uh, so then you start to think about the, you know, what your time is worth in there, because always people always discount their time. So if it's if yeah. two hours of your time, um, plus the the meter, God, you know, you you are talking about 200 bucks. So I think that when you start to think about those kind of things, man, it might be worthwhile. We should try it. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in New York all the time. Let's do it. Just I, like I just want a helicopter ride. It's probably the best way, the cheapest ride <laughs> way to get your family into a helicopter. Right? There you go. Gothamair.com. Awesome. Okay. Well, sticking with the uh, the uh, the Uber uh, Uberization of everything, our seventh story is about a new service called Urgently. Uh, that is urgent.ly, effectively trying to be the Uber for AAA or up here in Canada, CAA uh, type of services. So instead of you paying uh, your AAA membership uh, and getting stuck somewhere on a road and needing a tow truck or needing a boost or whatever the case might be, uh, and you know paying this membership and not knowing you know whenever you're going to need it, why not just sign up for a service that you know you can just pay pay when you actually need it? Uh, and using Uber-like technology, uh, GPS technology, um, basically they uh, they find you a tow truck uh, to uh, to come to your location. You can see where the tow truck is on on its way to you, uh, just like you can see the Uber car. Um, and, uh, you know, all for the price on a, on an as needed basis, as opposed to a membership that you would have with a uh, AAA or, or CAA up here in Canada. Uh, the cost for this is a, uh, is $99. It's a fixed price, uh, for a 15 mile tow, uh, $50 for a jump. Uh, if you need a boost, uh, your battery there, uh, also parents and significant others who are concerned for their loved ones. Uh, can uh, can uh, order this service on behalf of of you if you don't have the ability to do that yourself where wherever you are right now, um, and so uh, so I think this is pretty interesting. So uh, there you go, urgent dot uh, dot ly, check it out. That's something that we could have used when we took our tr- our trip out east, and you know on the last day of this trip, this uh, this epic trip, we had a you know one of those car coolers. 
Um, you plug them into the uh, into the lighter socket, and, yeah. and you literally. So that's what you do. You plug it in, and it keeps all your food cold. And um, we said, listen, it was a, it was a last minute thing. We said we're going to go out and we're going to go and find whales one more time. So we went on this great, huge sailboat out uh, in um, in New Brunswick, and uh, in the Bay of Fundy. And and uh, so we decided we would do that. And I left that thing plugged in. Uh, and so we got back to the hotel, and of course, uh, like I, I knew it, right? I turn on the car, phone. So, I, so, yeah. so I, I, who, who do you call? I, like I don't know who you're going to call there. And uh, so I called Mazda, and they're like, no, that expired years ago. My coverage expired years ago. Luckily, a nice woman who worked at the hotel said that she would give us a, a boost. But I could have used that, and fifty bucks seems reasonable when you're in that much of a panic. Yeah. Right? So urgent. Yeah. Dot Lee. Cool. There you go. All these little stories. How about another story? Like when you're trapped inside of a hotel or you're trapped inside of a building or you need some help inside of a building and nobody knows where you are because guess what? Cellular triangulation sucks inside of structures. Indoor location is not accurate. So finally, the FCC has adopted some new rules for indoor location accuracy for 911 calls. So this is really to help first responders locate people who dial 911 from their wireless phones inside of buildings, including multi-story buildings. Now, here's uh, under the new rules, within two years, carriers will be required to transmit to 911 call centers a caller's indoor position within 50 meters or 164 feet in 40% of the cases. So within five years, the location will have to be accurate to a standard of 60% of cases. So it's you're still not really accurate between 60 initially 60% of the cases, and then finally in five years, 40% of the cases, which is significant in my opinion. And there are detractors of this ruling. Jamie Barnett uh, of Find Me 911, the Find Me 911 Coalition says, and I quote, while the rule claims to improve indoor accuracy, there appear to be no indoor specific requirements in it, only a blended indoor-outdoor standard that allows the carriers to take credit for their outdoor location performance. And then he goes on to add, thus... And I love people who use the word thus. Thus, the phone companies can meet all of their obligations for years or longer without implementing any new technologies or finding any more indoor callers. Uh, so it may be small steps forward, but I, I tend to agree, Asif, with Jamie that, you know, a 40% accuracy after two years and a 60% accuracy after five years, I know it ain't easy, but those aren't acceptable numbers, especially when people's lives are in the balance. I don't know about your thoughts on that. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that there there needs to be a, a move towards some sort of standards standards around indoor location technology itself, uh, and 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 some sort of you know mandate for for I'm talking strictly for nine one one here around yeah. uh, you know uh, forcing these guys to make sure that they you know they're leveraging this technology uh, whether it's 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 existing beacon uh, deployment or or Wi-Fi deployment that's been put in by whoever. Uh, there should be some sort of uh, of requirement that uh, that technology can be tapped into by the operators uh, to facilitate 911 positioning. Uh, so, so I, I agree uh, to, in some respect with this. I mean, keeping in mind that the uh, Find Me 911 uh, coalition, if you will, is is partly funded by certain vendors in the industry. Um, uh, I won't name names, but you can look that up for yourself. But uh, it's um, but but I but there's I a balance there. 
Yeah, uh-huh. you, you've got both both sides here. One saying this is victory, one saying that this is far from victory or a step in the right direction. And, and yeah. I think you've got to find your balance. But he, I think what happens here is that you, you know when when uh, you know somebody has a catastrophic accident or somebody dies, and it's as a result inside of a multi-structure building like a shopping mall, and it's because the nine one one response was so long, you're going to start to get litigation as a result of this, and it's going to fall eventually, and I, but probably on the mall owners themselves so Mm -hmm. i would look that there was going to have to be something in the mall that is built in baked into the mall that isn't about serving ads but that is about public health and safety and you know because the carriers aren't going to do it and but the malls as soon as they get sued because of a poor 911 uh time uh because you can't sue 911 Right, uh, so it's about nope. finding the person as quickly as you can. And when human lives are in the balance, you don't screw around. That's the thing: is that five years with a forty percent, uh, with a sixty percent accuracy, it's just not acceptable, in my opinion. It's just not. It's just not. Like we, it should be much more. And uh, the technology will be there to enable it. It's just about getting off your ass and enabling it. Right? It's just a cost of of business. Okay. Uh, that's my opinion. I'm not supposed to offer opinions. I'm just supposed to offer the news. Asif, pull us out of this right. black hole that I'm in right now. All right. So our uh, our ninth story is about an interesting little project uh, that was put together by a, a group called the Easy Way Language Center. And it's a project called WordMap. Uh, and so all you need to do is, uh, is go to wordmap.co.co. Uh, and you'll see a little search box there, and you type in any word you want, and it basically will do a translation from English to uh, whatever language all over the world. So you see a map of the world show up, uh, and it'll start just automatically uh, translating this word uh, into a local language. It's, it's using Google Translate technology combined with Wikipedia. Um, and those two things come together, layered on a map, uh, and you can basically take any word and and uh, and see how that word uh, is is said in the local country, in the local language, uh, you know, and so on. So I just, for example, just typed in hockey because uh, I'm Canadian, and uh, you know, kind of just start zooming around the world here, and you see, uh, uh, for the most part, hockey is hockey in in in, in many places, but uh, you know, you'll see it in in translated into Arabic as you as you go around you'll see it translated into Russian um, and it's in the it's it's typed in the actual um, you know uh, typeface and and and, and localized uh, uh, font and so on so it's it's really interesting to see uh, so check check it out wordmap.co uh, a mashup of uh, Google Translate and Wikipedia brought to you by the easy way learning uh, language center that's very cool it's very cool I love those stories yeah very very cool Talking about very cool though. How about uh, I, I? I used these. I know you did a see one, and probably everybody who's listening to this used the ViewMaster. In fact, whenever you find one, still, I mean, my I had one. My my wife found one at uh, at you know a um, a secondhand store, and she and it's just amazing because it's like three D viewing, and and then the kids got into it, and they still sell them. I don't understand why they think this is a reinvention of the ViewMaster, but Mattel and Google have partnered here to reinvent. The ViewMaster for kids and adults, if you ask me. It is a, the new ViewMaster works with Google Cardboard. They call it the platform, the Google Cardboard platform, 
which is literally, remember, instead of uh, the Oculus Rift, Google created these at the last Google I.O., they created these these basically goggles uh, or a chassis that holds your uh, Android device in front of your eyes and it becomes literally like the Oculus Rift. And, and it was, it's actually pretty immersive and amazing uh, from what I've heard and seen just in videos. Uh, so they're basically taking the Google Cardboard platform and Mattel, in, they're infusing their experience and their fun and their play to develop this immersive digital experience for kids. The video that is playing right now kind of shows what this may look like and it's literally you've got the uh the wheel from the viewmaster and it becomes kind of an augmented reality a trigger in order to be able to have this 3d highly immersive uh, experience it isn't out yet but uh, you can sign up now to at view-master.com to be notified when it is out. This to me says Kickstarter all over. They should have launched this as a Kickstarter to be able to go out and uh, you know reanimate this Viewmaster for kids with this new technology. It's Android only, Boo! but uh, this is this is pretty cool, and this is something that I would uh, absolutely, if I was an Android user, I would actually get. It won't get me to convince. It won't convince me to you know switch over there. But uh, this is the reinvention of the Viewmaster with Mattel and Google. God, innovation. Love it. Yeah, I think it's awesome. It's like they're basically many memories, Rob. Many memories. I know, right? And it was so cool. This thing was introduced in 1939, and it was it just blew people's mind. Unbelievable, isn't it? 1939. Yeah. Now we just need somebody to reinvent uh, Risk, oh. the board game. It's the first, you know. I, sp I spent many hours playing that with, when I was a kid. Without a word of a lie, when I got my iPad, the very first app that I ever bought was a Risk game, because you could play it in like eight minutes. Yeah. And I just played and played and played. It was oh, I love I love Risk too. I'm with you. I'm with you. So at Retail Local, let's just do Risk. Let's just do Risk. We'll just do Everybody, risk. just gather around a table. We're gonna play Risk. Forget yeah. the party at the garage, right? <laughs> we'll have the party. The band can play in the we'll side. We'll have Viewmasters for those that don't want to play Risk and we'll have, have uh, Risk. I think that would be, there you that go. Would be great. That would be great. I'm sure that uh, <laughs> I'm sure that we'd have a couple of other people that would be interested. Yeah. All right, those are the top 10 stories of the week. If yours isn't yeah. in there, it's your damn fault. You should have reached out to us, Rob at ontether.tv or Seif at the LBMA.com. I uh, love your feedback on those. Some great stories from around the world, some very unique stories from around the world. And if you like them, reach out to a Seif. Remember, he's the guy that takes the good news. I'm the guy that takes the bad news. So go ahead, do it. Do it. Just reach out to us. Uh, before we get into our uh, big story, I, I do have a, a, an announcement. It's nothing significant for us, but uh, you know we're, we're good friends with uh, with uh, with Melody and uh, Sep over at Plastic Mobile. Um, they are a Toronto-based agency, one of the very first ones that uh, that I saw in Toronto, focused exclusively in the mobile space and the mobile experience space. They built the Pizza Pizza app and a bunch, uh, you know, among a bunch of others. But really, really advanced guys and and great thinkers in the mobile space. So they were just acquired. So they sold their company, which is pretty amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm huge on these guys. I love them to death. And, and I'm so ecstatic for these guys to be now uh, part of a bigger firm. So Plastic Mobile, uh, just uh, if, if you guys are listening to this, if uh, Sep or Melody are listening to this, congratulations, guys. Well-deserved, well-earned. Hey, enjoy a little bit of time off, but then get back right down to work again. I like those guys. I like those guys. Awesome. I've had both of Congrats. them on Untether.tv, which is the other side of it. And they were instrumental in Untether Talks. So I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, yeah, good for them. Good for them. Yeah. All right. With that, we've got one big story that we want to cover today, don't we, Asif? 
We do. Right. And this, as you see, there was a good theme that went through this entire episode, which was around, uh, you know, obviously the Uber, you know, Uber of everything is still strong. And we know that we're not going to be talking about that. But the other side of it was this, this whole world, this evolution of the wearable space and what this means to location and marketing. So we talk about even things like, you know, uh, getting on a bus, right? Getting a, a, something strapped on your wrist and getting on a bus. These are temporary wearables, right? That you know, you they have one purpose, uh, but but the impact of this is quite substantial. And, and then we have other things around, uh, even something like Google or uh, Google and Mattel getting involved yep. with the Google Cardboard uh, platform and to to reinvent the the ViewMaster. You know, I don't think that we give credit enough credit to this wearable space, and I, I, I honestly believe that we don't even know what the implication of these things are when it comes to pushing messaging and marketing and understanding what location means and conversion rates and all these things that a lot of companies are trying to figure out right now. But this is this will be pretty significant, to say the least, won't it? Uh, absolutely. And I, th I think for me, the underlying piece, uh, you know, uh, that, that sits uh, sort of the layer that sits underneath all of this really is 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 data and analytics. Right. Yes, and and yes. at the end of the day, when, when we look at, for example, what the Chinese uh, government is doing with these transit passes. Sure. I mean, there, there's huge benefit for the consumer uh, and, and and for the uh, the transit authority. It, it takes a lot of friction out of the system. It makes it easy for people to, uh, you know, pay uh, and get on the and get prepay, on the transit yes. uh, system yes. and prepay and, and do all of that, right? Um, and potentially eliminates you know some jobs, uh, you know, and save some money over there if you don't have to have ticket takers and all that kind of stuff. So so I think there's benefit there. But at the end of the day, uh, as you start to tie these things together, as as they're doing with their with their health ID system and their car uh, ID system, and then some of their other ID systems, you know, and being able to look at um, you know the analytics, the movements of people, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if I've got a wristband on and it's doing all of these things, um, you know, I I can track from a location point of view, you know, the path that people are taking to get to transit, so the path that people are taking to. You know, get to healthcare. I can look at uh, from a marketing point of view at businesses along along these routes. I can start to build audience segmentation data, you know, from this kind of stuff. And I think that's the big opportunity that starts to emerge from all of these types of devices, whether it's it's a Chinese uh, transit wristband or it's a ViewMaster. You know, where you know where where are these ViewMasters sitting? Uh, you know, where do we see a lot of kids? Uh, you know, playing with these kinds of things. You know, you know, just just from simple marketing point of view in terms of optimization of ad dollars and spend, just being able to look at you know physically from a from a geo point of view where where people are congregating, where they're hanging out, what's happening, and be able to to you know kind of change my ad spend accordingly starts to make a lot of sense, right? Um, and we've seen this with mobile ad targeting with what Factual and Place IQ and other guys are doing in, in sort of that traditional sense. But we haven't seen it yet because it doesn't really exist yet in, in the sort of uh, in the wearable space. But I think that's where it ultimately goes. It is, you know, as Apple launches the smart, uh, you know, the Apple Watch and, and, and we start to get all that that data. I mean, there's no reason that, that the Apple Watch can't also be a transit pass or can't also be any of these things, right? And same with the Galaxy Gear or anything else. But so for the time being, I think we're going to see a lot of very point uh, solutions like this, right? That have one purpose, like a Disney, you know, wristband as you experienced, right? Or a transit pass as we're talking about here, or you know, a smart stone for communication in a certain way for people with uh, with disabilities. But 
at the end of the day, I think you know we'll start to see this this space come down to you know one or two or three or, or ten you know sort of standardized devices that can do all of these things and start to you know incorporate all these services. I mean, last week we talked you know about Apple Pay 2.0, right, and where that's going, and you start to see how they're thinking about what kind of services are gonna are gonna be offered, right, and think about how that layers into the watch. So. You know, for me, it's it's an analytics layer that becomes available uh, to marketers to leverage and understand. You know how to optimize their spend. It is so freaking exciting. Like I, I just when we talk about this kind of stuff, it, it gets me jazzed. And it's not for me. It's not as much about the ad placement or interfering mm. with your day or interrupting your path of where you're you're trying to get to. But, you, you know, it's the subtle things, and that's what gets me so excited, is that, you know, in the data and analytics piece is that, you know, you can subtly change a layout of a store based on the pattern that you recognize because of these devices, right? So you're observing people passively and anonymously, but you're watching them walk through a grocery store, and then you understand the nuances of your grocery store, and you know what to put, what product to put where, so that it, 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 it's a subtle play. It's not like, you know, sending me notifications to my wrist, and sending me notifications to my eyeballs, mm. and doing all that stuff, and buzzing, and all that. It's no, it's like I look up, and by magic, almost by magic it would seem, the right product is in front of me because you've assessed all of the things that yes. have gone into all the data. And and people forget that, is that uh, the big power isn't in push notification for this thing. It is about understanding the path of your customer and what triggers and what is necessary in order to be able to trigger a buy. And and that's what gets Absolutely. me so excited, man. And and people who are thinking, oh my God, it's like I'm gonna walk in and get inundated with notifications and push buzzes and all this. It's not yeah. that. If you're thinking like that as a business, it's wrong. You gotta think about it from the perspective of your customers that you want that magic to happen as everybody comes in and goes through their day and goes, you know, whatever their path is through the store, they hit something that they want because you understand because of the data that you're gathering. That's That to me, it gets me so excited and I, I can't wait for those days. But I think we're so far away from it right now because we're still stuck in this kind of notification Yeah, it's world. gonna be a little while, right? I mean, I, I think we're at least two years out from that kind of uh, time when, you know, it, it's just, it's gonna take some time for these wearables to kind of get into the mainstream, you know, for Apple Watch to kind of take hold, for other devices to emerge, uh, and and to really get it so that we all have these things, uh, it's commonplace, and then the data starts to flow from that. But but it even benefits people who, you know, I think that what you probably need is for every ten customers, you need one person, maybe not even, maybe half a person wearing a, a device or a wearable that gives you data of. of patterns and tracking and all that kind of stuff because it, it's going to everything that happens all the data you collect is going to benefit the other nine and a half people that aren't wearing the device right so mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that we have to have an army of people it's like very early on in the day when Waze was really cool remember when Waze was really cool remember those yeah. days Maybe they still are. I do. I, I don't know. But they're still pretty cool. Yeah. You know, they used to. They would have. I think it was like one in a hundred or one in a thousand people on a highway could tell you where the slowdowns were, right? So they could adjust. It could say like, oh, you know what, you're you're yeah. going. But it's enough, right? That's you it. Need, you just need enough of a sample. And that's that's the beauty of these things. So I think that the power is going to happen. I think that the power is going to start to happen quickly. I I, I just think it's going to take two years for us to understand what that data is and how to how to really properly represent it. So maybe two years, maybe ten years. I don't know did an episode of the mobile marketing with uh, Greg Hickman, mobile marketing minute with Greg Hickman. And we talk about how mobile broke marketing. 
And then mobile is going to fix marketing. What we mean by that is that mobile kind of shed a light on marketing that we could never have seen before. And it destroyed all our preconceived understanding of what marketing was before mobile. And now going forward, mobile, these devices, the wearable devices are going to help fix it because there's a deeper understanding, more targeted understanding of who your customer is and what they want at the time. It's pretty, uh, I'm, like, I can't wait for this stuff. I can't wait. It sounds like science fiction today, but five years from now, it'll be like, yeah, so this is exactly what we're doing. Now what's next? No. It'll just be everyday commonplace yeah. marketing. I thought, you know, uh, it's just going to be the way, the, the data that's readily available to us, the dashboards that are there, and the segmentation that we can do. It's just, um, you know, and, and it'll all, all marketing, all advertising, you know, will, will be completely real time. There will be no pre-buying pre, pre of ads or anything like that. God, I can't wait. And then we're going to get into our flying cars and go home. Love it. <laughs> or flying Uber or Google or Apple car, whatever comes first, man. Whatever comes first. All right, well, what do you think of that? Do you think that uh, we're way off here? Uh, do you think that it is about push notifications? Do you think it is about inundating people with coupons and ads as they walk into a, uh, into a grocery store or a mall or a place of business? Uh -uh. If you do, don't ever, 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 ever send us an email. In fact, do yourself a favor. Stop listening to this podcast right now, okay? Actually, no, no. If you do think that, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on. We have a good con good conversation, good dialogue. Rob at untether.tv or Steve at the lbma.com. Well, that's the show, man. Awesome. I'm glad that's I'm it. glad we could be in the same, at least, province. Same continent. Same, uh, you know. Decent bandwidth. Decent bandwidth. Not great. Better, better than where you were, but uh, not as good as the European bandwidth that we experienced when you were abroad. But... Uh, uh, you know, it is Rogers, so it's like a third world uh, internet provider. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're, we're suffering up here in Canada. But we'll be back for uh, 223. You are still going to be in Toronto for 223? I will. Sweet. My God. So two shows in a row uh, where Asif and I are in the same province. Um, but don't forget, retaillow.co if you haven't bought your ticket. Uh, if you're going to South by Southwest, if you haven't bought your ticket, go to retaillow.co. That is the Saturday before the official kickoff, I suppose, for uh, for South by Southwest. On uh, it's on the Sunday before it's on the Sunday before um, South by Southwest kicks off. So it's the 15th of March. Hope to see you there. Uh, anything else to say, Asif? Are we done? That's it. That's all I got. That is it. 222 done. We'll see you next week for 223. Thank you guys for tuning in. Asif, have a great week, man. Enjoy your family. Enjoy Toronto's cold. Cheers.